This is Mikra A. Kodesh, Holy Convocations. My name is Ari Ben Lyman Hanavi. Let's look at the introduction and overview part two of the study, which is available on my website at tetzetorah.com forward slash holy dash convocations, right in the middle of the commentary. Let me read. I'll just read down through the commentary, and then I'll go back and hit any highlights that I need to hit. Adonai said to Moshe, tell the people of Israel the designated times of Adonai, which you are to proclaim as holy convocations are my designated times. That's Leviticus 23, verse 1, right? We talked in our liturgy how that these are festivals of the Lord. The point being, if you're Jewish and you name the name of the Lord, and particularly the name the name of the Messiah, then these festivals are for you because God is your God, and therefore, since the feasts are his, then the feasts are for you as well. Likewise, if you are Gentile, and you're a believer, you name God as your God, and particularly you name Yeshua as your Lord and Savior, well then guess what? These festivals are for you as well. Because they are God's festivals, he wants you to participate in them. And he also wants you to proclaim them. What would you be proclaiming? Well, let's talk about the different things that we could proclaim about these particular festivals. The verse quoted above will act as our theme verse as I take you on a messianic understanding of the feasts of Hashem. A messianic understanding. Not just an historical understanding of the feasts like uh, national Israel uh, understands today, but a messianic understanding of the feasts. These are feasts of the Lord and they point to his son Messiah, Yeshua. The complete study will serve as a primer to the reader encouraging and challenging him to study further into the pages of the Torah to mine the rich blessings that lay in store for him there. Perhaps the study might even pique your curiosity concerning the area of what I call Shomer Mitzvot, that is Torah observance. Look at footnote number four, and I recommend my ongoing series called Shomer Mitzvot, which is available at my website here at TetzetTorah.com. Let's keep reading. In my opinion... The time has now come for all of God's children, both Jew and Gentile, to, believe, uh, to begin to have a unified voice when it comes to the Torah. We already know that it's a shame that for too long we, Hashem's olive tree, right? Go back and read Romans chapter 11 all over again. We, the body of Messiah, the olive tree, remnant Israel, we've been divided over this issue of, quote, who should follow the Torah and why, right? End quote. I'm not ashamed to answer authoritatively up front. And my authority comes from the Torah. It's not because I'm some great revered sage or Torah teacher or Messianic rabbi or anything like that. Here's my answer. The Torah details the lifestyle of a genuine follower of Hashem as correctly interpreted that is fulfilled by Yeshua HaMashiach. Understand what I'm saying there? The Torah is our blueprint for living our lives as we walk as the Messiah walked, as we walk in the footsteps of the Master, as we imitate his life, as we mimic the lifestyle that he led. And that's why I say correctly interpreted or fulfilled, the word plerao there in the Greek for fulfilled, that's borrowed from Matthew 5.17, where Yeshua said, think not that I've come to do away with the law, but to fulfill. The idea is that Yeshua not just came to fill it up to its fullness and step into the fullest reality that the Torah was pointing at in its shadows, 
But we could also understand that the word fullness there can imply that Yeshua gave us the perfect way in which to walk out the Torah. He modeled it for us. That's what I mean by fulfilled it. He correctly interpreted it. He didn't destroy its application. He strengthened it in a way that allows us to internalize it by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And that's why we understand that Yeshua walked in the Torah not by the power of his strength as a human— but by the power of the Holy Spirit within him, by the power of the Ruach HaKodesh. And that's what I mean by he modeled perfect Torah beings for us. Let me say it this way. We as followers of Messiah, Yeshua, and believers in God, we should not try and attempt to keep the Torah under our own strength. But we should constantly be aware of the fact that the way that God designed his laws to be implemented into our lives is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the only way for it to have a meaningful effect, not just in our lives, but also allow us to be a light and a witness, right? In that same passage of Matthew chapter 5, earlier, Yeshua says that we are a light set on a hill. And the only way that we could be lights is if we allow the Holy Spirit to shine through us, allow ourselves to continually feed daily on the Word of God, and allow the Holy Spirit to uh, fill us up with the words of Messiah and to remind us of that, to help us to turn away from sin, and to lead lives that are sanctified and pleasing to God. Amen? Amen. Let's keep reading. This means, right, the fact that the Torah is a, a blueprint for all of genuine followers of God, whether you're Jewish or Gentile, doesn't ma- matter. This means that all genuine believers have been given a divine covenant responsibility, as opposed to, say, a divine invitation, per se. But it, it, it's really a, a covenant responsibility. It's a contract that we have with God. It's a, it's an arrangement, an agreement. It's... it's um. Uh, it's like a marriage contract, right? We don't we don't just um, make some some um, suggestions when we get married to our to our partner. We don't just make suggestions uh, to be faithful to one another. No, we actually make a contractual binding, legally binding contractual agreement, a covenant with one another that we are going to be faithful to one another in all aspects. And that's the same language that we find in the Bible. It's a covenant responsibility to follow as much of God's word, what we might call the Older Testament and the Newer Testament, right? If I can use those words and you guys don't misunderstand what I'm saying, as we can press into and we would do this, of course, empowered to walk, not by the flesh, of course. Um, this is what I'm mentioning. We don't walk into Torah empowered by the flesh. That's not the way that God designed it. Uh, not by the flesh, of course, but by the power of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit within us. Now, uh, listen to this next paragraph. Some are going to say, but Ariel, 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 I need to object. If Hashem says to do something, then what room is there left for arguing, right? If if God tells us to do it, then then you know there's really no wiggle room, right? Is it is it legalism? Is God just telling us to do it, and we got to check our brain at the door and just say, okay, well, robotically speaking, I've got to do these things because God tells me to do it. You know, there's no feeling in it or anything. No, no, no. Listen to listen to what about about what what I'm going to say. Um, some people might uh, accuse me of suggesting that an individual wait for what I call a warm and fuzzy feeling to come over them. Is that what I'm suggesting? Where when I say we've, you've got to be, uh, you've got to want to do it. Um, um, are you waiting? Should you wait for that? <laughs> what do the Jehovah's Witnesses say? The burning in your bosom. Should you wait for this uh, warm and fuzzy feeling to come over you in order to keep the Torah? Well, not at all. That's not what I'm suggesting either. Um, what what exactly am I getting at here in this part of my uh, 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 commentary? Simply that God and God alone 
has the power to convince and convict a person in the area of sins of omission. And what I suggest is that ultimately, Torah obedience by default can lead to sins of negligence or omission because God tells you to do something. Therefore, if you're not doing it, the Holy Spirit's urging you to do it, and yet you're still fighting against that, well, then it's a, a sign of omission, right? You're you're failing to do that which God is expecting of you to do as his covenant partner in this whole agenda. You know, as a teacher... I can teach you about Torah observance until I'm blue in the face, but I can never, never force or coerce or entrap or otherwise intimidate anyone into following Torah commands. And that's not really my desire as a Torah teacher. That's not what I'm trying to do when I tell people that you really need to be keeping these festivals. Uh, compulsion leads to legalism, and we don't want to compel people. We we really we want the Holy Spirit to lead people, but at the same time, it has to be a choice that they make on their on their own. For the individual coming out of a Torahless lifestyle, right? Someone who perhaps isn't raised with the concept that the Torah is um, something that you should be doing, and of course, this is still within the context of the festivals that we're talking about. Then Hashem will often. In this particular cases, this is particularly true for maybe many Gentile Christians who have come into the Messianic movement. This is typically what I hear from them. Hashem will often lovingly challenge these uh, Gentile Christians to mature. Um, he'll allow them to mature by giving them opportunity to express their love for him in terms of Torah submissiveness, specifically in the era of rediscovering their Hebraic roots. Um, and that's typically the way uh, Gentile Christians will describe it. Well, they'll say things like, wow, you know, I, I heard somebody talking about the feasts or about the Sabbath or about kosher, you know, and I, it piqued my curiosity and I began to ponder this idea of returning to the Hebraic roots of my Christian faith without a abandoning my Christian um, foundational uh, beliefs, but nevertheless returning and going deeper into my walk with Messiah as a return to the Hebraic uh, foundations in the scriptures. So that's typically what happens. Either that or they'll just plain, uh, many times people will read what I call the objective Torah, right? They'll read the Bible and kind of a light bulb will, will turn on in their heads, right? Or the light will, will come on and they'll just say, you know what? logically speaking or rationally speaking um this makes sense uh, you know it's in my bible why shouldn't i be doing this you know why am i not doing this so uh, we'll read the plain objective torah they'll apply what i call hebraic sbara which means common sense and then they'll just do it right like the nike slogan they just do it and this approach has been known to be effective as well so either way whether you wait for what i call the warm and fuzzy feeling that's <laughs> what you might call the holy spirit coming over you or you just use your brain right you just you just read the text and you're just like wait a minute wait a minute it's in the bible and god is my god and jesus is my lord and they are god's words and i believe that the bible is true and all of it's true therefore you come to the conclusion based on the premises that you know the conclusion that you reach is I, I, I should be doing these things. Either way works. All right, let's keep reading. Because the feasts, however, are found in what we call the older portions of the Bible, then it's unfortunate that many Christians simply neglect the study of them, right? And it's my wish that these com these commentaries will capture the attention of the average believer and ignite a spark of interest within them spurning them on to further investigate the practical application of these wonderful Torah truths. So, when in regards to this particular commentary, he said, I'm not prepared to conduct a thorough study of the feasts in the space provided here. I do have uh, commentaries on every study that's not part of this introduction. So, uh, when you're done uh, uh, with this particular introduction and overview, then you can go to my website and... Um, 
a look at all the other individual festivals that I provided there. Um, I simply want to provide the readers with the messianic framework necessary to properly appreciate what I consider to be the scope of Hashem's historical handiwork as expressed in the feast. So let me just read down through this. We're almost done. It's just just three three paragraphs and then a bunch of uh, scriptural references. Um, as we'll see when we study this part of our Bible, uh, the feasts which we refer to as Mikra e Kodesh, this Hebrew phrase Mikra e Kodesh, um, uh, is uh, the holy convocations, right? The, the 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 festivals which are holy to the Lord. They are set apart times, times in which we're supposed to gather together. That's what I mean by convocation. The Mikra e Kodesh were meant to serve as. Listen to this. They're meant to serve as daily weekly, monthly, and yearly reminders, right? We can see the daily in the, uh, the, um, um, uh, not just the the uh, uh, the festivals themselves, but um, the 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 um, the fact that all of the festivals that we read in Leviticus 23 have um, sacrifices tied to them, which of course all points to Messiah. Um, so in that sense, daily moving into weekly, like the Sabbath, monthly Rosh Chodesh, yearly, of course, you know Yom Kippur and things like that. Um, the, the the which which. Of course, for us, should should help us to uh, affirm the fact that uh, these these daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly reminders uh, are to help us strengthen our identity and purpose in Messiah and in the historical plans that Hashem has for not just the body of Messiah, but ultimately for all of mankind. So we begin to understand that the festivals are first and foremost for the the spiritual nutrition of the body of Messiah or the body of of called out ones of which. Israel is the type and shadow when we say um, called out ones. The, the Israel uh, being called and separated from the rest of the world is a type and shadow of a believer being separated from the world and, and set aside, sanctified unto God himself for our service. So Israel became this set-apart chosen people, which typified, that, that. that's the larger picture, but on a smaller level, it, it's a, a picture of an individual believer being separated from the world and unto God for a, a holy service as well. So the Bible itself, the words of God, are the food that God feeds us with is first and foremost for the workers of God, for the body of Messiah. The head of the Messiah feeds the rest of the body first and foremost. That's the primary. So we get we get the first uh, um, nutritional um, intake of this spiritual food from God's word. But it doesn't stop there is the point I'm trying to make. From there... The, the the food that we dine on, the, the Word of God and the Spirit of God and, and, and the body of Messiah himself, we as believers, we dine on the food of God for the express purpose of equipping ourselves and maturing ourselves and growing ourselves up, just like you feed your body so that you can nourish it, for the express purpose of maintaining a healthy body, but yes, at the same time, for the purpose of being equipped to take this good news and share it with the rest of the world. So we are um, we're equipped so that we can do a work. We're, um, uh, uh, we're, we're, we're nourished so that we can be strengthened, so that we can uh, run the race, so we can take the, the good news uh, to the rest of the world, so we can go about on our journey. And so it doesn't just stop with feeding ourselves. It, it, it continues on uh, with this outward-facing uh, commission and, and um, duty uh, to be able to share it. So that, that's the point I'm trying to make. The Torah teaches us that the festivals are the rehearsals of Messianic Drenchum, like I mentioned earlier. Properly understood, 
The festivals tell, listen up, the story of the birth and life, the atoning worth, the death work, the death, the resurrection, the promise of power, the assurance of dedication, the promise of return, and the promise of eternal abiding of the Messiah, Yeshua, in relation to all genuine followers. Yes, they are given for us to edify us as the body. Now, surely it is in the mind of the Holy One for his children to have an intimate knowledge of these aspects of his son's ministry. Is it not? Right? God wants us to know about his son. He wants us to learn of Yeshua. He wants us as the body to continually uh, build ourselves up in the person and the work of Messiah. And we do this, uh, one of the ways we do this is by continuing to avail ourselves of the truths of Messiah, not just found in the Gospels where we read about Messiah's life, but also we can build ourselves up in Messiah by studying about the festivals themselves because they point to his, his, they point to him and to his work. Right. Yet, unfortunately, for nearly 2,000 years, our appreciation of these feasts as a general body of Messiah, as generally speaking, uh, our appreciation of these feasts has remained marginal at best and non-existent at worst. All right. So, as I keep reading, the reader needs to familiarize himself with our main body of text, Leviticus chapter 23. you got to go back and read that if you want to begin to understand not just how these festivals point to Messiah, but you've got to understand the general logistics of the festivals and, be- and gain an appreciation for them so that as you begin to then uh, try to find the Messiah within the festivals, you can begin to allow the Holy Spirit to form the framework uh, of the... Um, of the the festivals and and the the historical um, uh, occurrences uh, behind the festivals, uh, in other words, um, what was happening in Israel during the times that the festivals were were to be uh, observed and things like that. You know what was happening during Passover to create the Passover, right? Why was Passover even added on the list? What was happening to Israel, right? What was the historical occurrence that occasioned Passover and etc.? So you can kind of apply that same principle. So familiarize yourself with Leviticus 23. What I've got here in my commentary below is an outline of and the brief themes of the seven festivals of the Lord, not counting the Sabbath in that list of of, of the festivals for the moment. Um, and uh, the Torah is going to outline these for us, but the following list and brief definitions was actually supplied by First Fruits of Zion Publications, FFOZ. So let me um, read this for you real quick. Uh, that's found in my commentary. Uh, the first on the list in Leviticus 23, notwithstanding, Passover notwithstanding, I'm sorry, uh, 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 Shabbat notwithstanding, um, is actually uh, Pesach, Passover. And the themes uh, surrounding Passover are redemption, salvation, deliverance, and freedom. And we can instantly see how Messiah typifies those themes, right? He embodies the fullness of what those themes um, convey in the Torah as well. Next one on the list, Chag Hamatzah, or unleavened bread. The primary theme, sanctification, being set apart uh, where we we separate um, ordinary bread from leavened bread for the purpose of sanctifying ourselves from God, removing the Eleven from our midst, the, 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 the theme of being set apart, uh, the effort of removing sin, because leaven typifies sin in the Bible, the, 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 the conscious effort to, to remove sin from our communities in the practice of taking the leaven out of our homes, right? That's sanctification. The next one on the list, uh, 
FFOZ calls this Bikurim, counting the Omer. I call it Omer Rishit, the first sheaf. Uh, some people call it first fruits, uh, various different names for this particular festival. The themes, according to FFOZ, are sanctification and deliverance uh, in this particular festival. Um, moving on, Shavuot, right in the middle, right there in the summer. Shavuot is known as Pentecost, or um, the uh, uh, the festival of 50 days, the 50th, 50th days, right? Shavuot, Pentecost, the feast of of of, of Pentecost, uh, which is known by many many Christians, right? Sometimes referred to as the birth of the church, Acts chapter two, things like that. But the theme surrounding it, the giving of the Torah, according to Judaism, the giving of the Ruach Kodesh, according to Christianity, Acts chapter two, uh, the uh, first fruits, it's also tied to that. The first um, the wheat harvest is what Shavuot typifies. The Bikurim would would have been the the barley harvest there, and also the themes of ecclesiology, right, of, of the of the body of Messiah itself, um, which is what this word ecclesiology uh, refers to, the, the, the theology related to the study of the body uh, and uh, and things like that. That's also one of the themes of Shavuot. Uh, and then when we get to, we'll start moving into the fall feast, we've got Rosh Hashanah or um, Yom Truah, New Year, or Feast of Trumpets, uh, how it's variously translated by uh, this calendar uh, feast. Um, one of the primary themes surrounding Rosh Hashanah, or Yom Truah, the, the day of the awakening trumpet blast, is eschatology, the study of end times, the, the, the day of the awakening trumpet blast, where, where um, the themes of God uh, sending His Son Messiah back into the world to redeem all of us, uh, the themes surrounding um, what we might call uh, the rapture, uh, the themes surrounding um, the, the gathering of the body, uh, the gathering of the body by Messiah Himself, end time events, eschatological uh, uh, um, themes. That's what we mean by eschatology, the study of end times. All of these themes are contained within this um, festival of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Truah, uh, things like that. And then the last, next festival on the list is a very solemn day, Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, or literally Yom HaKippurim, Day of Atonement. Of course, the themes are atonement, um, substitutionary atonement, forgiveness, blood sacrifices, and things like that. Those are all the themes surrounding this particular day. And then the last one on the list, the one that we're in right now as I'm um, holding this particular study, is uh, Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacles, or Feast of Booths, or Festival of Ingathering, or something to that, to that effect. Uh, the themes surrounding Sukkot are worship, praise, redemption, eschatology, once again. Uh, these are all uh, tied to the end times. Thanksgiving, celebrating the harvest of righteousness in our lives. A lot of themes surrounding this particular joyous uh, festive time of the year, the seven-day-long feast with the eighth day tacked on to the end of it. Um, and so um, these are very important things that we should familiarize ourselves with as the body of Messiah, as believers in Messiah, both Jews and Gentiles. And so in closing to this particular study, and it looks like I'm probably not going to have a lot of time, if any at all, for the Exploring the Shema study tonight. Perhaps maybe I'll just only do the... Um, only uh, conduct the the study of the, uh, the festivals tonight. We'll see what happens. Um, as we journey through 
our commentaries uh, that I'm providing here for you as a Bible teacher. I'm going to detail the times, the dates, and the circumstances surrounding each feast. That's what I mean by you need to read through Leviticus 23, and even though you're not going to find Messiah directly in them there, you're not going to see Jesus' name mentioned or anything like that. What you are going to find are what what God intended to be the foundational truths that will form the um, uh, the basic understanding to appreciate uh, how Messiah is going to fulfill the festivals in the future. But I'm going to provide those for you as well in my commentaries. And this will provide the historical framework in which we can then subsequently apply what I call the Messianic Fulfillment to each feast. So um, you don't want to just read the feasts and look for Messiah and skip over the the dates and the circumstances surrounding each feast. You want to give Israel, national Israel, at least the benefit of... of um, understanding that these feasts were primarily given to Israel as part of their history to help them uh, relate to God as a, at a larger level before zooming into the Messiah who is the Savior of Israel. You want to at least give Israel that benefit and don't rob them of that historical reality. Uh, so don't, don't, don't be too critical of national Israel, unbelieving Israel today, who doesn't uh, espoused to faith in Messiah, yet is still walking in the festivals to the best of their ability, uh, albeit somewhat legalistically, unfortunately. But but generally speaking, at least they're still upholding a validity of those feasts, the reality of those festivals, as a valid expression of, of their religious life. And for that regard, they should at least be given uh, some credit. So ultimately, it's my intent, as I say in closing, to invite both Jews and Gentiles in Messiah to press into the covenant responsibilities. There's that word again, uh, responsibilities and expectations of Hashem's divine mandate, right? Not divine invitation per se, but divine mandate, right? He is our God. We are his children. Therefore, it is a divine mandate, a divine mandate to participate each year in his feasts right right they are god's feasts we have to kind of go through this over and over again to explain this because many people just don't get it they are god's festivals they are god's appointments and therefore since he is our god right notice my premise one they are god's festivals and premise two since he is our god then the conclusion that follows is that we should be keeping god's festivals if god is our god and and he is and if they are for his children, which they are, then as Jews and Gentiles and Messiah, then they are for us. Again, you got to notice the syllogism and the, the logic of what I'm trying to describe here. Don't fall for the ages-old lie, both on the side of the synagogue and on the side of the church, unfortunately, but it's a lie that the Torah is for Jews only, or that the festivals are the feasts of the Jews, and that you got to be Jewish in order to keep the Torah, or that you got to be Jewish in order to keep the feast, feasts. That's all a lie. That's a lie from the adversary to try and keep you from participating in that which is yours as a, a, a child of God. So, um, press in. Press in. you got to press in past all that, all that interference from the adversary and the interference from the world around you and the interference from your own mind. You should be participating each year in his feasts. Shomer mitzvot, right? Torah observance is what this phrase Shomer mitzvot means. It's a wonderful way to walk out the reality of the newness of life that's found only in union with Yeshua 
Hamashiach. You understand there, there's a challenge here to the traditional uh, traditional Jews uh, who just keep the Torah minus Messiah. Yes, you can uh, have an enriched life and a meaningful life by walking in God's words, even if you don't know who Messiah is. Yes, the Torah will, will create meaning for your life, and you can begin to form a relationship with God in that walk as you're pressing into the words of God. That's the way it's designed to work. However, I'm here to tell you that that's not the end result. That's not the ultimate goal that God had in mind. That's not the full package that God envisioned for a child of God. Indeed, the Torah was given to orient and point the uh, the Israelite, the, 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 the child of God, towards the Messiah and to help him along to discover the Messiah in the Torah so that we can say like David Stern's version says of Romans 10.4 that the goal of the Torah is the Messiah, the, the goal, right, the end point, the, the, the destination that you should arrive at as you're walking in the path known as Torah is that you should be arriving at the Messiah or as Galatians would call it, the teacher of righteousness. So that's the purpose of the Torah. So don't just walk out the Torah for, for the Torah's sake. Don't just do it because it's your heritage religion. If you're Jewish and you don't believe in Jesus and you're listening to my podcast today, I'm challenging you to seek out the Messiah in the pages of the Torah and let the Torah lead you to the conclusion that Yeshua HaMashiach is the Lord and that he is the Messiah that you should be seeking. Amen, amen. So in closing, let me say it this way. A godly desire to obey the Torah as non-Jewish believers, right, as Gentile believers, a godly desire to obey the Torah is evidence of the Ruach Kodesh, the Holy Spirit's activity of what I say, putting the Torah of Hashem within you and writing it on your heart. Understand what I mean there? How can you as a Gentile Christian know that the Holy Spirit is living inside of you? There are a variety of ways to know that. But one of the ways that we can we can confidently um, identify, and we can do this using the objective scriptures that um, that you would find, and say if you re- if you read Jeremiah thirty one thirty three, as well as Hebrews eight ten, and we we could add to that. I didn't have it in my list here, but we could add to that Ezekiel thirty six shows up later on. Is that the Bible, in no uncertain terms, describes for us that the child of God who has come to the realization that Yeshua is the Messiah and has allowed the Holy Spirit to take up residency within him, one of the ways that he can know that the Holy Spirit is alive and active in his life and in his heart is that the Holy Spirit is going to urge you on towards keeping the Torah. That's exactly right. That's what those passages tell us, that the, that God would write his laws on our inward parts, right? Go back and read Jeremiah 31, 33. Go back and read Hebrews 8, 10, which quotes from Jeremiah. And then go back and read Ezekiel 36, 26, where, where God describes that one day even corporate Israel would have this Holy Spirit activity which in which the words of God would be written on the heart of national Israel, and the end result would, that would be that they would not walk away from the Torah like his historic Christianity supposes should happen for a believer in Messiah, but the exact opposite is true. The Holy Spirit inside of a person, whether corporately or individually, is going to cause that person to walk into the words of God and to begin to put on uh, more and more of the truths of Messiah as they begin to uh, understand. Amen? 
Amen. May the Holy One richly bless you as you seek to be obedient to his word. Uh, I can highly recommend for further study, read Genesis 1.14. Read Exodus 19.5 and 6. Read Exodus 31.13. Leviticus chapter 23, the whole thing. Read Deuteronomy 4.5-10, Joshua 1.7 and 8. Psalm 40, verse 7, as well as all of Psalm chapter 119. Go back and read Isaiah 2, 2, and 3, as well as Isaiah chapter 62. Go back and read Jeremiah 31, 31 through 37, in light of Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. Also read Micah 4, 1 through 7, Zechariah 8, 20 through 23, Malachi 4, 4, Matthew 5, 17 through 19, Romans 10, 4, Hebrews chapters uh, chapter 4, as well as chapter 10, verse 7. And then lastly, read James 1, 22 through 25, and 1 John 5, 1 through 3. Amen. Amen. That concludes our show for today. Remember, because the Messiah has already come, the Torah is now a document meant to be lived out in the life of a faithful follower of Yeshua through the power of the Ruach HaKodesh to the glory of God the Father. It should not be presumed that it can be obeyed mechanically, automatically, legalistically, without having faith, without having trust in Hashem, without having love for God or man, and without being empowered by the Ruach HaKodesh. To state it succinctly, Torah observance is a matter of the heart, always has been, and always will be. My name is Torah teacher Ariel Ben Lyman Hanavi. The intro and outro song was produced and performed by Ryan Kingsley. For information on contacting Ryan, you can reach me by email at yeshua613 at hotmail.com. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A number 613 at hotmail.com. Or visit our website at graftedin.com. That's graftedin.com. Thank <laughs> you.